I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 67 of the chapter. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning our reading at verse 67. Luke 1 and verse 67 his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hear us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abram that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on, from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. It's the words there in verse 78 at the end of it and verse 79 that I want to take as my text. The day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's just unite together, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, as we come to thee today, we thank thee for our Savior. We bless thee for the one who is the day spring from on high. We thank thee for the one who is the bright and morning star. And we thank thee for the fact that he has visited us. And we come today, and as we think of thy precious word, we'd ask thee that thou wast bless and be with us. And, O oh God, that thou wast help us to look to thee and bless our hearts. Be with us, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the birth of his forerunner, John the Baptist, are tied together, intimately linked in the record of the Scripture. John the Baptist was to come, and at least in some way, he was to fulfill the prophecy that he would be uh, one like Elijah that would be, go before the Lord. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 17, it says uh, of uh, John, he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And in that earlier part of the chapter, 
you will read about the announcement to Zacharias of the birth of a son. We thought about it on Wednesday night. He and his wife were childless, and it had been a great burden to them, and they had prayed, and for many years it seemed as if his prayer was not answered. And then we read how the angel comes and anoint, uh, announces the birth, and lo and behold, after all the years of uh, praying for the thing, um, Zacharias didn't really believe. He said, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in age. And because of his doubt, uh, the angel said that he would be dumb until the birth of the child. But now in the portion that we've read today, uh, John the Baptist has been born and Zacharias's tongue has been unloosed. And when he's, his tongue is unloosed, he makes a remarkable prophecy. And what I want to do today is just to pick up on part of the prophecy, this title of the Lord Jesus, The Day Spring from on High. Now, that's the only place in the New Testament where the Lord Jesus is called by that name. There are similar titles. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 19, it says, Until the day dawn and the day star arise in her hearts. And that's very close an idea to the day spring. Or in Revelation 22 and 16, in the very last words of the Bible, the Lord identifies himself as the one who is, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So all of these titles have much the same idea, but each one of them gives another layer to the tapestry that goes to make up the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has revealed these things. And I want you to see that this title is revealed by the Holy Ghost. If you look at verse 67, it says, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying... So this, this title is not something that's come off the head of Zacharias. It's not just something that has been given to him in, a, in an ecstasy after the birth of his son. No, here is something that has been inspired by the Holy Ghost. This title has been given by the inspiration of God. And therefore, it is something that we can learn from for, and it is something that we need to pick up on. Here is the question. What does it mean to us today that the day spring has come to visit us? And thank God today for the fact that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come down into this world. But I want us just to think for a few moments about the day spring from on high, the one who has visited us and we celebrate at this time of the year. And first of all, I want you to think about the darkness in which he comes. The word day spring there in the Greek is the name, or it is a child's name sometimes, Anatoly. And Anatoly is a boy's name usually. And we could read the verse by which the Anatoly from on high has visited us. And we think of that word day spring. It is sometimes translated the east, and sometimes it is translated the dawn. And here's the one. What does the dawn do? The dawn breaks the darkness. The dawn comes when it is still dark. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has come into the world to break the darkness. He has come into the world to dispel the gloom. He has come into the world to bring joy in the midst of all of the difficulties and burdens of this day in which we live. And my, what a great prophecy we have of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read what the prophet said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the uh, government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But just before that, in that great prophecy of the coming and the birth of the Savior, what does Isaiah say? But the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And this is the light that has come. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do you think when you think of darkness? Well, there are three ideas that we have of darkness. Darkness, first of all, is an emblem of ignorance. We talk about an uneducated people as walking in darkness. Or darkness is uh, something that speaks of impurity. We think about a dark-hearted sinner. Or it speaks then of sorrow, the dark cloud of sorrow. And I think that all of those things are in the darkness of this world into which the Lord Jesus came. You think, first of all, of the darkness of ignorance. And the Lord Jesus was born into a world where prophecy had been stopped for 400 years. You think of how Malachi was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Uh, and then for 400 years until John the Baptist, there was silence. And everybody knew that there was an ignorance of the Word of God, a dearth of the Word of God. The Babylonian Talmud, an old Jewish writing, said, after the latter prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi had died, the Holy Spirit departed from Israel. Josephus, the, uh, Roman, or the Jewish uh, historian, said, from Artaxerxes to our own times, a complete history has been written but has not been deemed worthy of equal credit with the earlier records because of the failure of the exact succession of prophets. There was nothing of the word of God. The word of God was scarce and rare in the days when the Lord Jesus came. And today we have the full revelation of God. But the awful thing is that so many in this world are ignorant of the word of God. We have it given to us. And yet when you go out into the world, we find that there's no understanding of God's revelation to us. But we're not surprised by that. Because it says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 of men, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their hearts. John 1 and 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it. The darkness does not understand, and people don't understand because their hearts are darkened. And it's going to take the Lord Jesus to come and shine his light into your heart uh, for you to in any way comprehend the awful condition that you're in. There's the darkness of ignorance. And then there's the darkness of impurity and iniquity. You think of when the Lord Jesus came. 
Herod was on the throne. And you remember the slaughter of the little children and how Herod was in a fit of jealousy. He, before this, had slain many of his own family in a fit of jealousy. Am I an evil man on the throne? And then when he heard about the birth of the Messiah, he wanted to trick the wise men into revealing to him where the Lord Jesus was. And when the wise men didn't play ball, remember how he went into a rage and he ordered all of the death of the uh, little babes around the city of Bethlehem. What an awful day it was. It was the day of Herod. It was the day of Caesar Augustus. It was the day of pagan religion. And yet, into the midst of all of that came the Lord Jesus Christ to shine a light in the darkness. Wicked rulers, wicked laws, and it's still the same in this day. We have the slaughter of the innocent in the abortion mills of this day. We have the awful sins that are taking place in the name of human rights, they will say, and it's anything but human rights. And we think of how sin, sin in general, has poisoned the hearts of men and women. It's a day of darkness, and people are motivated against God and against the things of God. But we need the day spring from on high. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to come into such a day and into such an age. But then there's something else. There is the darkness of infirmity and sorrow. We think of the cloud of darkness that comes because of the consequences of our sins. You know, in, in the day when the Lord Jesus came, there was the oppressive rule of the Romans. The people of Israel were under the jackboot of Rome. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 records the census that was ordered by Caesar Augustus, and it was a blatant reminder to the people that they were not under Davidic rule, but they were under Roman rule. And you think of when the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. He came to experience sorrows. The Bible says that he was a man of sorrows and equated with grief. And this is still a world of sorrows. We still see the effect of sin, the effect of death. And we think of all the sorrows that there are in the midst of this day and generation. You don't travel very long along the pathway of life until you experience sorrows. But the man of sorrows came to deal with our sorrows. We think of what it says in Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And my, what a wonderful thing. The glad news is that in the midst of the gloom of our sorrow, that the day spring from on high comes to visit us. But there's one more thing just before we move on, and that's the darkness of inactivity. It says here that they sit in darkness. You think of these poor creatures here 
and it's an inactivity of necessity, they sit because there's nothing that they can do. We can sit and curse the darkness, but when the darkness comes, there's nothing that we can do. Today, maybe you can switch on a light, but in those days, there was very little they could do with the darkness. Burn a little candle that maybe would share a little bit of light in the midst of the darkness. And certainly it is true spiritually. We sit in darkness. There's nothing that we can do until the day spring comes, until we look to the one who is the light of life and the light of men. And my, what a wonderful thing that the day spring comes into the darkness. So we notice something here in the, of the darkness into which he came. But then I want you to think about the dawn that he brings. Because while men were sitting in darkness and while they were just sitting there and couldn't do anything, there is a dawn, there is a day spring, there is the beginning of a day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And here he is and he arises to dispel all the darkness and the gloom that surrounds us. And Christ's coming is the very thing that a world of darkness needs. He's the son of righteousness who arises with healing in his wings. Notice what he brings. Of course, he brings light. He brings light. What does the Lord Jesus do when he shines the light? Well, it is the light of good news. It is those that sit in darkness and in ignorance and in infirmity and in the midst of all of these things. He comes and he says, I am the light of the world. And if you believe in him, he will personally remit your sins. He will forgive you. He has dealt with the penalty of your iniquity and your sins. And it is God that justifies us for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. He takes the righteousness of Christ and he imputes it to us and he gives it to us when we uh, confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the day spring comes with a multitude of blessings and the wonderful thing is that when we know the conversion and the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the blood of his cross has been applied, it's not just the blessing of forgiveness of sins, but it is the blessing of a home in heaven. It's the blessing of being called a child of God. It's the blessing of peace of heart. It is the blessing of joy of the Holy Ghost. My, the darkness is uh, dispelled in the very face of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings the light. But where does he bring it from? Well, look at what it says. Notice that it speaks of the day spring from on high. He comes, it's not the light of the sun or the moon. It's not the light of the galaxies far away. The day spring doesn't arise on the, um, on the horizon when the day comes. No, this is the day spring from on high, from the highest, from heaven. And my, if you want light and if you need light, then you need light from the very highest. It's not, the thrill of the gospel is 
that this is a message from heaven, that this light that comes, comes from heaven. If we were depending upon light that man would bring, we would be leaning on a broken reed. It would soon um, degenerate into darkness and gloom again. But here is one who comes with the full weight and with the full authority of heaven, and he comes with heaven's message to men and to women. And surely, sinner, that's what you need. You don't need man's message or man's philosophy or just the the theology of a preacher or anybody that's in this world. What you need is the message that comes from heaven. You don't need a priest or a prelate or a bishop or anybody else to give you salvation, for that salvation will fail. But you need God's salvation. You need a day spring from on high. And this is the wonderful thing about the message of this day is that the Savior has come himself. He has come and he brings the salvation. You see, not only do we see what he brings and where he brings it from, but where, you notice how he brings it. He brings it by visiting us. The God of heaven has come down. I was debating with an atheist one time And he actually said that if God would appear, he would believe. And I asked him what would take him to believe if God appeared on earth. Well, I was able to say to him, God has appeared on earth. He has come. He has come to actually bring us this salvation. He didn't send it by a ray from heaven. He didn't send it by messengers or even angels to bring the message. Oh, he sends preachers to bring the message and angels to bring the message. But at the start, what he actually did was to come to bring this salvation himself. That's the wonder of this day. He visited us. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He come to experience what we experience. He went through all of this life, and he was um, uh, touched with the sorrows of this life. But he came, and he came with a plan. He came with a purpose. You see that word where it says that he visited us? That word visited us is a word that um, is related to the word that is translated bishop or overseer, which is the name that we give sometimes. Sometimes you could give it to an elder. An elder is a bishop, an overseer. All of those names are the same thing. But the overseer was also um, a, a, a military term. It spoke of a commander. And one who came to visit his troops and give them the sense of purpose. Give them a sense of what they had to do. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he came as one who had a purpose. He came on a military mission, as it were. He came to bring salvation. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come with no purpose. He came with a plan and with a desired outcome. And that was truly a day spring for the world when the Lord Jesus Christ came for despairing individuals, for men caught up in sin, for men bound by the old habits to set men and women free. And isn't that a wonderful thing today that we have a day spring We don't need to dwell in the darkness. 
the dawn has come, the day spring has arisen. But one more thing I want you to see, and that is the direction that he gives. If you look at verse 79, it says, Why the day spring came? It says, The day spring visits us, visits us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The light of God is designed to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, does that mean peace and goodwill to your neighbor? Does it mean that all wars will cease? Does it mean that kind of peace, that harmony that we have one with another? Well, actually, yes, it does. In a way, the ultimate, that's what it does mean, that there will be peace, that the Lord will come, and he will establish peace on earth. But it means far more than that. If you think that the, when the angels said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men, he was, it was simply and only a message that we should live in harmony with one another and that we should stop fighting with one another, that, well, you've missed the very heart of the message because the real peace that you need, you do need peace with your fellow and peace with your neighbor. That's certainly going to be included at the end of the day. But the real thing is peace with God. Do you have peace with God? You know, you can have peace that's worked up and manufactured, but real peace is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see that the way of peace is something, again, that you can't find on your own. Look at the words carefully. We have to be guided into the way of peace. He says to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You're never going to find it on your own. You're never going to find it by the philosophy of men. You're, you're never going to find this light on your own. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to guide you into the light. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There are many people today that are arrogant enough to say, well, I'll find my own way. I'll go my own way to God. And they go by their own philosophy. No men and women, that's a fool's errand. The only way that you come to God is God's way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And man has tried many ways to find peace, peace in this world. And you think of how he has tried communism and socialism, and he's tried capitalism, and he's tried Buddhism and Baha'ism, and all of those things offer peace, and they advocate peace in the world and peace between men. But the peace that they advocate has failed because they're not coming to the Prince of Peace. They're not coming to the one who is able to bring peace. Communism is an example how people have tried to find peace and it's only brought uh, uh, more hardship and violence. Or you think of how people have tried to find peace in their own hearts by alcohol or by drugs or by pleasure. But there's no peace. No peace. No peace except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thousands of people every year visit Winchester Mansion in San Jose in California. 
It was built by Sarah Winchester, the widow of the gun company owner. And for 38 years, from 1884 until her death in 1922, the house was under constant construction. Teams of carpenters and masons and uh, other workers worked around the clock. There was never a time when there wasn't work going on. And some people thought that, um, had the theory that it was because she thought that if she ever stopped working, that the house would be haunted by the ghosts of people who had been killed by her husband's guns that he had made. Other people thought that she thought that unless she kept uh, building her house, uh, that um, she would die uh, as long as she was building the house, she would live, uh, or some other notion. But anyway, whatever notion it was that she had, she just kept on building. And when you go to the mansion, there are stairs that lead to blank walls, and there are 10,000 windows in the house, and there are doorways, and there are 160 rooms, and it is estimated that in today's money she would have spent about £70 million building that house in a desperate desire for peace. But she had to keep going because the peace never came. And you see, every effort of ours to find peace will end up being fruitless. But I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that brings peace to our hearts. Uh, but then, notice not only uh, that we cannot find peace on our own, but look at the way, what the way of peace is here. If we can't find peace in ourselves, and we cannot find peace uh, by our own efforts, well, we find what it says in verses 70 and 78. It speaks about the day spring. He comes. What does he do? To give knowledge of salvation unto his people. And he comes to tell us the way of salvation. To tell us how we can come to God. And the Bible says, The soul that sinneth it shall die. But there is a way of peace. A way that leads to God. A way that leads to heaven. A way that leads to home. The angel said, fear not. The shepherds were filled with a sense of dread in their hearts as they saw the angels from heaven. These heavenly creatures burst in upon them. And all it did was fill them with fear, dread. But the angel said, fear not. For behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And that's the heart. That's the one that we look to. That's the one that will bring peace to our hearts. It is the Prince of Peace, the one who delivered peace by his death on the cross of Calvary. Oh, the day spring from on high hath visited us. Has he visited you? Has he come into your heart? Are you still dwelling in the darkness today, in the darkness of ignorance, or in the darkness of iniquity? 
or in the darkness of infirmity? Are you still dwelling in the darkness? The greatest gift that you can receive today is the gift of eternal life. May you come to know the one who is the day spring from on high. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. We're going to sing the last hymn there on the board. It's the hymn number 77. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And we, this is what we're saying to you. Uh, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. May you uh, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today. We'll stand as we sing this last hymn. Gracious Father, we thank thee for the day spring from on high, and we thank thee that that day spring has visited us in this world. We pray that indeed he might have visited us in our hearts, and that the light of God might shine in. Bless us now, take us to our homes in safety, and be with us throughout this day, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen.